Hey, Kevin Draves here with The Howl for Diamond Box Bluetooth Speakers. I got to tell you, I play basketball at the gym down the road for me all the time. And sometimes I go late at night. I bring my Diamond Box. And now they're introducing three new systems. The new L2, XL2, and M2 all feature stereo sound by themselves or split stereo sound with wireless syncing of two units for a live sound experience. Loud enough for any environment. And I kid you not, you could play this at low volume and you'll hear it in any room of your house. This is the most powerful Bluetooth boombox speaker on the market today. Check them out on Twitter at Diamond Box Co. That's box with two X's, Diamond Box Co. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's the fifth pick in the 1995 NBA draft. The Minnesota Timberwolves select Kevin Garnett from Farragut Academy in Chicago. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to the Western Conference Finals. Happy birthday, Kevin Garnett. From the den, this is The Howl. We would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. All right, now we take a deeper dive into the Wolves' season at hand, taking a look at the Houston Rockets game that happened recently. Now, if you didn't get a chance to watch this game, I'm telling you, you missed one of the best Wolves games, not only of the year, but one of the best Wolves games we've seen in a long time. Wolves are taking on a very good opponent in the Houston Rockets, maybe not so much at the beginning of the year, but definitely so far the last you know, 11 or so games, the team has been much, much improved. Uh, the Rockets, that is. Uh, they brought back a former coach. They've really uh, put some effort into uh, getting back to where they were last year when the Wolves faced off against them in the playoffs. Now, 
one of the struggles the Rockets have currently is they have a depth issue. They definitely do not have the bench that they had previously. You know, they lost a number of players. And, you know, when you're talking about the team in general, when Chris Paul doesn't play, the team loses. When James Harden doesn't play, the team loses. Now, that maybe sounds like something that's obvious, but honestly, in years past, they could be without some of their better players and still find a way to win games because of the depth that they had. Now that they no longer have that depth, you definitely start to see the the team uh, in a different light, and they're definitely more susceptible uh, to games like this. Now, <clears throat> they were not missing a bunch of players in this game. You know, Chris Paul played, James Harden played, but the Wolves really fought hard, and we'll go over that now. Uh, let me start off by saying I thought, in general, this was a horribly refed game. Now, in the previous game review, I talked about how I thought the ref thing actually was pretty good, and it's one of those things where I feel like if you're not talking about the officiating, that's the way it should be. But in this case, uh, unfortunately, I do have to just mention it, that it, I thought it was a pretty horribly ref game. Now, uh, much like in our other reviews, while we do this, we are simulating the Wolves' upcoming game against the Hornets. Currently, there is 2 minutes and 30 seconds left in the first quarter. Minnesota is up 9-5. to five. Again, this game is going to be at Target Center, and that is the first game. That is Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. So, Jumping into this game, 11 and 11 is the Rockets record. 11 and 12 is the Wolves records coming in. So, one thing we watched for in this one was middle of the floor ball screen actions with uh, Clint Capella and what that equals is that equals dunks. And you definitely got to see the evolution of the Wolves defense from start to finish in this one when it came to that specific thing. On top of that, one thing I'll mention is Clint Capella needs to stop crying. That guy cries a lot. Like, he complains a lot, and that that's, ugh. that we You know, in the past, I know Wolves fans were very frustrated, for example, with when Kevin Love did this. And, and, and players that complain a lot, fans don't like that. Fans do not like that, unless you're really, really, really good. Because, let's be honest, LeBron James, James Harden, Chris Paul, uh, to name a few, two of which on the Rockets, of course, players that notoriously complain pretty much nonstop, Kevin Durant, I mean, these are all players that complain a lot, but you don't hear about that too much. So kind of interesting, uh, kind of a, an interesting a dichotomy, I guess you could say. You know, one thing, we talked about the, the bad refing in this game. Early on, there was a foul that Harden got. So James Harden drove to the basket, kind of split defenders. Nobody touched him. Nobody touched him. And he rolled his ankle, fell down, and obviously was in some pain, and they called a foul. What frustrates me is James Harden's game is one of those. He's one of those players that just gets calls. He just gets calls. Whereas there's players like, for example, Carl Towns that pretty much no matter what doesn't get calls. And as a Wolves fan, as a basketball fan in general, bugs me so much. I just don't think that the consistency's there. There's just not a consistency when it's player to player. And it's very, very frustrating. I mean, to say the least. There's lots of reasons why uh, this should be upsetting to not only Wolves fans, but just NBA fans in general. This is not a problem with just the Wolves. There's lots of players out there, I guarantee you, if you ask fan bases of teams. You know, I'd be interested to listen to teams maybe from like teams like the Kings, the Magic, the Nets. Teams that don't have that high talent level. Teams that maybe struggle a bit more and don't have those superstars. I bet they would say the same thing. But that'd be interesting. Uh, maybe we'll run a poll. But I think that's an interesting uh, concept to look into. Again, you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. We are The Howl, and we are reviewing 
the Wolves game against the Rockets and also doing sort of a preview of the Charlotte Hornets game with our 2K19 uh, live simulation. Jumping back into that, by the way, there's about a minute left in the first quarter. Minnesota, again, at home at the Target Center, is beating the Charlotte Hornets 13-7. to So they talked about this during the broadcast. The last 11 Rockets games, and we mentioned this, they have been worlds better. Uh, one thing that's really nice about the Timberwolves broadcast is not only do they talk about it, they'll show the statistics. And just across the board, the last 11 games versus the first 11 games, the Rockets are a much better team, and that's how they were able to get to 500. Very similar to the Wolves, who ever since, obviously, the big trade happened, we have been much better, and that's what got us uh, to 500. And by winning the game against the Rockets, the Wolves would be trying to get back to 500 as well, which would be nice. 12-12, and 12, I take that, all things considered, so far in this league. So midway through the first, you're watching the adjustments of Andrew Wiggins on defense. Uh, specifically, we talked about the middle-of-the-floor ball screen actions. You're starting to see when they run those screens. Uh, early on, you wouldn't necessarily see Andrew Wiggins make that right decision. Sometimes it's a little bit of an indecisiveness where he's trying to maybe guard a three-point shooter, or maybe he's deciding, yeah, which one? Do I grab the sh- three-point shooter? Do I, grab Clint- Do I switch over? Do I roll over to Clint Capella? and he was making the right call throughout the game. He definitely adjusted that, and you started to see it, even getting a a couple steals. So that's one thing to watch for in future games is how much Andrew Wiggins continues to impress on, you know, on offense. We're hoping that he continues to score, takes less mid-range shots, things like that. But on the defensive end, it's going to be huge for him to be able to continue to make those adjustments. The Wolves, in the first half specifically, allowing way too many wide-open threes. And this felt a lot like the Celtics game early on, where it felt like we didn't have that same energy. We didn't have that same, like, not, it wasn't an effort thing, but it was just like we weren't quick enough to make it to switches. We weren't quick enough uh, to cover guys. Part of it is a teams that pass really, really well. It is tough to switch appropriately sometimes. I mean, when you're watching, like, for the Celtics game, for example, it's real boom, 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 boom. And when teams do that, I, even the best defensive teams struggle just a little bit, but it's important to make sure you close out, and it's and you got to make that extra pass. There was one instance in this in this case where one of our players decided I'm going to go cover the the guy that is going to be the next pass. Well, the problem with doing that, for example, is if you go that way, if the guy note is able to see quick enough that you've done that, instead of making that extra pass, they're just going to take it in, which is actually what happened in one instance in, during this game. So. You're watching this game hoping that that improves, especially going into the second quarter, second half, and and making those adjustments like Andrew Wiggins did. So very similar there. But uh, in the first half specifically, it was good to see, and I guess throughout the game mostly, it was good to see Wiggins not taking a bunch of bad mid-range shots. It's a process. I do think throughout the season he is starting to take less and less of those. But I, I would almost argue let's never take them. As, a, as athletic as he is, uh, it's, it's unfortunate because the athletic ability he has is sometimes a crutch because what he'll do is he will decide, well, I can jump over this guy and just make this shot. But it doesn't always work. And a lot of times he's taking, whether it be one-footers, whether it's fadeaways, it's just like off-balance shooting, and it's such a high, difficult, high level of difficulty. It's just not worth it. There's better shots to be had. Looking at an update of our live game simulation, 310 left in this one, 22 to 14. The Wolves are up over the Charlotte Hornets. And 
Perfect timing. Andrew Wiggins takes a mid-range jump shot. Well, sort of a mid-range. It was kind of like right on the edge of the paint. So kind of in between. It was kind of a gray area, but he made it. So good timing for Wiggins to hit that shot. 24-14. They are up in the simulation. So moving on. One thing that really impressed me in this game was Gorgie Jang. Now, he's continued ever since the trade. Him and Tyus Jones, you know, early on, I really thought were struggling quite a bit as far as what they were bringing to the table. A couple players that maybe we were hoping for better results when they would come off the bench. But ever since that trade, and maybe slightly before that, you've just seen great improvements. But Jang specifically, what was really cool, guarding guards. I think it's really impressive Gorgie Jang able to guard smaller players, quicker players. He's such a heady player. And if he can continue play like that, it makes switching so much easier because you can rely on him to be able to make the moves he needs to and be able to guard those smaller players. And it takes it from, you know, a lot of teams when you make switches and you're like, oh, I'm a guard, I'm going to take this big man on. Well, if that's not seen as necessarily an advantage to that offensive player, that's huge. And it just gives you that much more flexibility as far as rotations and lineups go. One thing uh, that we talk about, we mentioned the bad refereeing and I actually posted this uh, at the Sportsman on Twitter, but uh, Tyler Ennis takes a charge, got Towns his third foul. 100% it was a flop. In fact, if you slow it down a little bit, it's tough to see, but when you slow it down, plus when you watch it live, it's pretty obvious. Ennis is already starting to fall backwards or throw himself backwards before Towns even hits him. Towns doesn't hit him that hard, and he just flops back. Now, it was a very, very well-done flop, mind you, but clearly a flop. Barely touched him, and it really frustrates me when uh, officials fall for that. Now, in their defense, again, this is one of those better flops. This wasn't like a Marcus Smart flop. This was a legit, like, well-done, like, grand- this was a Academy Award-winning flop. But flop nonetheless, and uh, I actually sent this, I sent the video actually to the uh, the couple of uh, official NBA referee accounts and just said, look, if we're fo- if we're going to be finding guys for flopping, this has got to be called. This has got to be a guy that's got to be fined because what you're hoping to do is you're hoping to clean that up in our sport because the NBA has no place for flopping. And I know it's not always easy to c- to catch it live, but after the fact, when you see it's a flop, and I think it's pretty apparent that it is, then you got to find these players because hopefully it's some sort of a deterrent. Because right now within games, there's not really any sort of a deterrent. So that's one thing to watch for going forward. I do think. I think Ennis should be should be fined, and I think f- fines and things of that nature are what are going to make this game better, uh, long-term anyways. You know, Jim Peterson talked about this during the telecast, and I 100% agree. I've been saying this for years, is that I hate watching James Harden play basketball. It is the most unwatchable style of basketball I think there is. I, I love watching guys hit threes. I love watching guys drive. What I don't love is guys flopping. I don't love guys creating contact, sweep-throughs, all that garbage that James Harden's been doing for years and getting away with. Now, they've started to crack down on some of that stuff, but just in general, any player that relies on free throws and relies on the officials for their game to really be good, uh, to me, is unwatchable. And James Harden is the epitome of that. And the sooner we can get that to stop, the better. But every time we play the Rockets, it's one of those teams... Because Chris Paul is the same way. I can't stand Chris Paul. I really just do not like him as a player. I'm sure he's nice enough as a person. I'm sure James Harden's nice enough as a person. James Harden is one of my favorite gifts. The gift where the beat drops and he's dancing at like the wedding. I, I appreciate that. I think it's kind of cool. But in general, uh, 
I just I, I have no time for their games. The crying, the going for fouls, all that stuff. I just nope. I want nothing to do with that. Uh, kind of later in the first half, uh, Gorgie Jang makes a three pointer from the corner. It's his fifth triple of the season. I would like it if him and Taj Gibson were able to shoot more three pointers. I don't know necessarily how successful they're going to be. I just feel like when they shoot threes, it's usually in a good a good place. It's at a spot where they're wide open. And, and I always feel like there's a pretty good chance it's going to go in. And so if there was a way to create more corner threes for our big men, I, I would be all for it. I think that'd be something to watch for uh, going forward. We're shooting a lot more threes. That would be one way to uh, kind of give them an extra added uh, bonus to what they're already creating on the offensive end. You know, Jang, we talked about stopping guards. There was a, a sequence where he was guarding Harden. Full, really full, fully guards him, is able to move his feet properly, is able to space properly, ends up getting a block. So impressive. What he's able to do on that end, if he continues to do this, uh, is very impressive. But specifically, the, the defense on James Harden was impressive. You know, especially given the style of play that James Harden has, where he's, you know, he's trying to draw fouls, he's real sneaky with the basketball, he's a great ball handler. So that's just something to watch for. Uh, as the, by the way, as the halftime is about to hit, the Wolves are up just by one point as the Hornets went on a, a quite a big run. It's 24-23 in our, our live simulation where the Wolves are up by just one at halftime. There was the, so we talked about the, the Towns flop where, you know, Ennis flops and Towns gets that foul. A little while later, uh, James Harden runs through the lane, just runs over Robert Covington. A, a clear charge, like not even close. It's 100% a charge, no questions asked, lowers the shoulder, runs him over. Not, they don't call the charge. They call him for a foul, uh, and then he gets a T on top of that. I mean, what are we even doing? What, what, what is that? I, I just don't get it. And I take that back, actually. I don't think that Roko got the foul, but he just got the T, the technical. But this felt like the Ken Maurer 5 technicals game because you had this this technical, and I failed to mention it earlier, but Towns got a technical after that terrible uh, flop call. And then uh, later on in the game, we'll, we'll get to that too. But that's what this felt like because a little while later, T gets a T for no reason. And, and anyone that was watching this, even Jim Picos, what did he say? Because you can't, it's, it's boom, boom. So Jeff T gets called for a foul. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. Jeff T draws a foul and then uh, kind of turns, looks at the ref. I, it was boom, boom, but immediately he's like, T. It's like, wait, what just happened? And the whole team, the whole team reacted immediately like, are you serious? And to me, when the whole team's right there, if, if he had said something, you don't normally see the whole team going, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I, so I don't think Teague said something. I think the ref was very T-happy, and unfortunately, some refs get that way, and it's a really unfortunate. And again, this is why I talked about this brings up uh, Ken Maurer feelings when he was just going T-happy on that one possession a number of years ago with the Wolves, and he gave up five technicals. This was uh, very frustrating. It doesn't. The good news is most referees aren't like this. They don't just necessarily get T-happy. Uh, you don't see that a lot, but when it does happen, it definitely you know it definitely brings a, a bad feeling when you're watching that game. You're kind of like, oh, you don't need to do this. This isn't helping anybody. This isn't. This is not the point of a technical. So sometimes I think the refs are in the wrong in these instances. So with two minutes left in the first half, all of a sudden the Wolves are down fifty-nine to forty-one. 
so it's it's one of those things where you look and it's like, what happened? We we talk about sometimes how a player can have a quiet game. You're like, wow, he's got 15 points. Like, well, I don't remember him scoring 15 points. I'm watching this game going, wait, we're down 18 points. How did that? Like, what happened? What was the precursor there? How are we down 18 points? Absolutely crazy to me. So uh, coming down the end of the first half, we're down 17 points. Wiggins bombs a buzzer beater from a little in front of half court, just throws it up as, you know, it's one of those things like it's not not a prayer because it's not that far away, but you're just like hopeful. Like like maybe, maybe, kind of like the Oklahoma City Thunder game winner from last year, and he does, and he banks it in, and, and all of a sudden you're down 14, and it's like, wow, we've got life because buzzer beaters, they bring the crowd into it. Now you're coming – into that third quarter, you're going to have all that momentum. Now, obviously, halftime slows everything down a little bit, but as a fan, you go from, oh, we're down 17 points to like, hey, we're down 14. He just hit that three-pointer. I think that was a, a huge swing in this game, and if that doesn't go in, I just wonder what happens in that second half. Now, I still think, I mean, the, the Wolves played amazing at, at points in this game, and that probably still would have happened, but it's just something about that three-pointer really – you felt like it was – it kind of jump-started things. I, I know it definitely jump-started uh, the feelings in the building. That was pretty apparent watching the game. We jumped to the second half. So the thing that Ryan Saunders talked about – so Ryan Saunders uh, over this month is going to be the player that – or the, the coach they talked to uh, before the second half. He mentioned they got to find a way to take away the three. They need to get back in transition – and they have to, have to, have to close out on three-point shooters. Have to do it. And this is just what we talked about earlier. The Celtics game, we had that issue. Uh, at times in the first half, we really had that issue. So it's going to be key in the second half of this game where we got to actually stretch out. you got to get to guys quicker. you really got to give that extra level. Second half, you really started to see this in the third quarter. Uh, Wiggins, you know, in the first half, had already made adjustments, but... Wiggins, we talked about how he needs to avoid those mid-range jump shots, had a fantastic drive where, so he got the ball before the half-court line, starts dribbling it up, and just takes off, goes through their whole team, not like a bunch of dribble moves, but just like there's a lane, he took it, banks it, great play, absolutely phenomenal play, probably actually should have been a foul, uh, but no shock they didn't call it in a poorly refereed game like this, but very awesome, Wiggins needs to do that more and more, it's one of those things where, not necessarily like a big-time dunk, but there's plays like that where I think Wiggins could do that a lot more just given his size and given his athleticism. So if he's going to say to himself, like, oh, this is easy because I've got this athleticism, do that on drives. Don't do it on mid-range jump shots. So more of that would be huge. Uh, early in the third, Rockets were missing some wide-open shots. Now, you know, a lot of what you talk about in games is when you're playing a team like the Rockets, you're going to get players that just hit shots. You could play really good defense, but, like, they talk about defense wins championships, but like as good as so good defense can beat good offense, but great offense can beat good defense. It really, really can. And sometimes you just have better shots, you know, better offense. And and at times I think the Rockets do that, but in this case, the Wolves it really helped not only uh, with our our game, but of course once you start seeing that ball not going through the hoop, you lose a little confidence. And so them by them missing those wide open shots, it definitely helped us gain a little extra momentum too. So. On top of that, uh, so Harden offensive foul. This was kind of interesting to me. So Harden takes a three-point shot in the third, uh, goes up for a three. Wiggins was very close. I don't know that he necessarily would have been called for an offensive foul, but it was close. He closed out very closely. I think part of the issue you run into here is this. This is like that, you know, the boy who cried wolf 
James Harden, you know, is crying wolf so often. On, oh, I got fouled. I got fouled. I got fouled. Well, in this case, Wiggins does kind of get into his space, but then Harden, like, slaps him in the face, which I was very appreciative that that got called. More offensive fouls on James Harden is better for the game. I'm going to say it. It is. It is better for the game, and I, I really appreciated that. And this actually leads to, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Wiggins was an absolute stud on the defensive end in this game, in the third quarter specifically. I mean, he played well throughout, but really in that third quarter, I was super impressed with what he was able to do, whether it was guarding James Harden, whether it was switching, whether it was on Capella, things like that. I was really appreciative of that. But despite Wiggins making these changes, in the third quarter, Clint Capella got what was his seventh dunk of the game. And Dave Benz goes, I wonder what the record is. I'm sorry, but you're doing something wrong if the announcer has to talk about the fact that maybe a guy's going to set the record for most dunks in a game. That's a problem. I mean, that, that's, that is legitimately a problem. And that's something that we have to watch for. Definitely watching the game film, I think, is important for Wolves, especially in instances like this where you say, all right, look, we did a good job of stopping maybe three-point shots. We did a good job of stopping, you know, maybe Chris Paul, for example. Next game we play against the Rockets, you got to find a way to stop Clint Capella consistently, not letting up those easy dunks. Now, a decent amount of those were in transition where it would be like a guy takes a shot for the Wolves, misses it, and Clint Capella's running out. Well, someone's got to be aware of that. Someone has to be aware of a guy that's going to cut my back like that. So whether it's – it's kind of like in football when you have a running quarterback and you have a player that's designated on defense as like a spy, a QB spy, you almost need someone designated, look, I'm going to watch for when he tries to run back because that's going to be super important because next time maybe maybe you won't get so lucky and they're going to get you know have those misses when they're missing wide open shots. That definitely occurs. And so it's, it's going to be important to stop those easy buckets. There was a, a moment in this game where Wiggins gets a steal, then a three, and – as Jim Peterson mentions, this looks like Max Wiggins, and he could not be wrong, or could not be less wrong. Uh, I was so impressed with Andrew Wiggins in this game. Max Wiggins 100% showed up, and that's got to be consistent. I don't know what it's going to take to really get him to be there. And I'm one of biggest for anyone that follows me on Twitter again at the Sportsman M I N N. For anyone that follows me, you should be fully aware of the fact that I am all in on Wiggins. I'm a huge, huge Wiggins fan. He has room to improve, no questions asked. But I've been very impressed with him this season in different aspects, and I do think he is trending in the right direction. So more Max Wiggins is, uh, is very, very good for the Wolves' future, definitely. One thing that happened in the fourth quarter, and this was really cool to see, was uh, Jeff Teague taking open three-pointers. I've been imploring him. Jim Peterson's been imploring him. I'm sure the team's been imploring him. He passes up so many wide-open three-pointers in games, and this is so frustrating to me because he's one of the best three-point shooters on the team. If you're open, take threes. Don't, don't pass them up and then maybe drive in and take a crappy shot or pass it off and another guy takes a crappy shot. If you're wide open for a three and you're a good three-point shooter, you 100% have to take that shot. Now, the one thing that was really cool in the third quarter is we talked about the Wiggins defense, Teague threes. This team fought. And so all of a sudden, instead of being down 19, you know, you're down 14 at halftime. Then you're down 10. And then you're down 7. And the team was really able to fight back, which was really cool. And this continued. And eventually, here's the deal. So when Teague hits those two three-pointers, Ties the game up at 76. We were down at one point 19. So the Wolves went on a 24-5 to run. Super impressive. Uh, and then, so the 
Houston, so we take, we finally uh, tie the game up. Houston scores immediately. And then you had a three-pointer by Dario Saric, a fantastic-looking shot. Uh, his shot's a little uh, inconsistent at times for me. Sometimes when he shoots, I'm like, ugh, that's not going in. And other times you're like, okay, yeah, that looked pretty good. This was one of those times. Hits the three, Wolves up 79-77. to 77. Uh, A little while later, Cat hits a three. That makes it 24 straight games where Cat is able to hit a three, which is pretty impressive. He's one of only, I believe it's two other players, uh, or three other players that are actually uh, in a similar category and have made a three in every single game this season. Uh, Sarge hits another three. Great form. Five-point lead with under a minute left in the third. And that tells you how the Wolves were really able to play some fantastic offense and defense in that third quarter and find a way to really uh, have an impressive comeback. What was impressive, especially with the comeback, is Rose in this game at this point had zero points. So your second-best scorer on the team has done basically nothing scoring-wise. No, he was getting rebounds. He was getting assists. I believe at this stage he had five rebounds, three assists. So it's not like he wasn't contributing. I always love at least his effort on the defensive end. He's not always uh, he's not exactly a great defender by any means, but really love his effort there. Yeah, pretty impressive that they were able to do that. One thing they talked about in this game was uh, Robert Covington or Glovington, as is the nickname people have started calling. Oh, he doesn't like it. Apparently, my guess would be, and I've seen some other people post this, part of the reason he might not like it is because of Gary Payton, who's the glove, and so he probably doesn't want to stay so close to that nickname. Although Glovington fits so well. Fits like a Glovington, right? So they had a cool thing where they talked about um, how he trains his hands. He has a, a light drill that he trains. So, like, you know, it's very similar, they said, to, like, whack-a-mole. So, like, a light goes off, you put your hand towards it, you're, you're this and that, and it's getting your hands and your, your mind prepared for good defense, which is very, very cool. As the third quarter comes to a close, look at this statistic. The Rockets, 20 points in the third only. 20 points in the third for the Rockets. I mean, think about that. If you were able to hold teams to 20 points a quarter, that's 80 points. It's almost unheard of. So 20 points in the quarter for a team that scores. I mean, the Rockets are a good scoring team. Absolutely fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, Tyus Jones in the fourth quarter gets a fantastic steal with some great defense. Fast break. Lead is now up to 91-82. to 82. And not long after that, 94-82 to 82 after Robert Covington hits a three. The Wolves... At this point, we're on a 33-9 run. So let that set in. 33-9. Absolutely incredible what they were able to accomplish here in the second half. Second half, looking in and checking back at our live simulation of 2K19, the game between the Hornets and the Wolves. How about this? So it was a one-point game at halftime. It is now a 15-point lead for the Wolves, up 42-27. As the announcer stated, we are now questioning the effort of the Hornets. That's how dominating the Wolves were in this performance. So pretty cool there. So at one point in the fourth quarter, the Wolves had been on a 50-24 to 24 run since halftime. So tell just how impressive that's been. And on top of that, what's nice in the second half is you did not have the issues with Towns being in the foul trouble. Now, he did end up picking up his fifth foul at, at, this, at this point in the fourth quarter or at a point in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where Little little bit of a, a struggle again, like we talked about with the referees in this game, which makes uh, the way the Wolves played that much more impressive. But so fifty to twenty four since halftime. Think about this: with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Rockets have only scored four points total in the entire fourth quarter. 
So pretty impressive there. And at 320 left in the fourth, Chris Paul hits the first field goal from the floor in the game for himself. So if that tells you anything. So the one thing they uh, will talk about, we mentioned that Towns' fifth foul. The Towns' fifth foul was a push-off is what they basically called. To me, there was a foul before that, though. And that was the issue I had with the refereeing there. Uh, to me, that's really all, all she wrote at this point, though. Uh, the game was was over. At this point, there was uh, no coming back for the Rockets, which brings us to a stopping point here. We'll jump back in quick. It is 44-29 to in the simulation of the uh, 2K19 uh, next game of the Wolves versus the Hornets. So that game is all but locked up. Speaking of being locked up, uh, so at 46 and 20, 46 to 29 is the score currently. But like I said, that's kind of all she wrote for the Rockets in this one. Uh, we're definitely going to take a look, of course, at some of the statistics from the box score, looking at some of the players that, that really put on a show in this one. We talked about you know Andrew Wiggins' defense. We talked about players like Jeff Teague getting off the schneid in terms of finally taking open shots. And I think that's going to be, uh, obviously is going to be a pretty big key going forward. We need Andrew Wiggins' defense. We need Jeff Teague to take shots when he's open and not pass up shots. That's going to have to continue if this team's really going to reach its ceiling because without all that, I just think that the team is going to underperform a little bit. But in this one, it was fantastic. Final score was 103-91. to So the Wolves outscored the Rockets by 26 in the second half. I mean, just absolutely impressive. According to 2K19, at least, looks like the Wolves are going to do more of that in this next game against the Hornets. So taking a look at the box score, we'll start off with the team that ended up losing this one, which was your uh, the Houston Rockets. Uh, James Ennis, Mr. Flopper, he had nine points, five rebounds, and th- that was pretty much all he was able to uh, to do as far as the Rockets were concerned. P.J. Tucker, they talk about how he uh, is a very solid defender and a good rebounder, which is all fine and good, but how about this? 36 minutes, 3 points, 9 rebounds, a minus 14. So P.J. Tucker might be a good player, but it just wasn't happening for him in this one. He was not even the worst, actually. So Nene and Gerald Green. Nene was a minus 18 in just 10 minutes. Gerald Green was a minus 16 in just 10 minutes. So... Not ideal whatsoever. Uh, both Ennis and, and Capella actually were a plus six in this one. So what, some of the only players that were really able to be positive. But again, uh, overall, the, this was just a game that the Rockets were not meant to win. James Harden, as always, puts up some statistics. 29 points, three of seven from three. He did have three misses at the free throw line. So uh, 10, 10 of 13 from the free throw line. But still, a really solid game for James Harden because not only does he get 29 points, he gets four rebounds, eight assists, but just wasn't enough as he's a minus 12 in this one. And and how about this? Chris Paul, a minus 13 as well. Just five points on one of seven shooting from the three-point line, one of eight total. So not much to like from the Rockets' side of the basketball. Jumping over to the winners, the Minnesota Timberwolves, a lot more to like, obviously. Now, surprisingly, Robert Covington was a minus, one of the only players. So Robert Covington and Gorgie Jang were both minus players, but do not let that fool you. And this is exactly why single games, you can't, you can't examine plus minus from single games. Stretches are the only way to really look at plus minus because both Robert Covington and Gorgie Jang played very, very well in this game. Also, plus minus, the problem with that stat, as, as it is, you know, there's other versions of plus minus, but plus minus just 
the general statistic is tough because a lot of it depends on who you're playing with. So, I mean, think about this. If Michael Jordan was playing the this year's Golden State Warriors and his teammates were four two-year-olds, I mean, who do you think is going to have a win that game? What do you think Michael Jordan's plus-minus is going to be? So it does make a difference who you're playing with. On top of that, we look at some of the other big-name players. 15 points from Taj Gibson. 24 points, 11 rebounds from Carl Towns as he adds another double-double. I believe that's 13 on the season. We talked about Wiggins' defense, but he was able to contribute in other ways, too. Two of three from three. He had 16 points. Uh, Two of five from the free-throw line. While this season Wiggins has been better from the free-throw line, uh, two of five is not going to cut it. That number does have to get better. And then plus 16 for him, plus 17 for Towns. So you got really good contributions across the board. You're still not getting any minutes from guys like Josh Okoge and Anthony Tolliver. But when you're going to continue to win games, it's really tough to argue with the results. So, again, very solid game from the Timberwolves here as they do end up winning this one, 103-91 to over the Rockets. Looking in at the final of our Wolves simulation, the Wolves do end up absolutely blowing out the Charlotte Hornets in this one. So hopefully this is a, a good a good precursor of what's actually going to happen. Taking a look at the, uh, the, the box score for both teams, Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins did lead the way in this one, which that's exactly what you're hoping for. As far as final score is concerned, 53-31, to 31, the Wolves end up beating the Charlotte Hornets. So that's as good as it gets. Uh, Wolves won in almost every statistical category, so we'll take it. And hopefully that is what they bring to the table in this next game. Coming up, we have our 2K All Day segment. Stay tuned there where we're going to be giving away, or at least you have a chance to win a copy of NBA 2K19. And then, of course, we end our show with Can Kevin Cousy. You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing In That Channel, and we are The Howl. Introducing the Roadcaster Pro Podcast Production Studio. The Roadcaster Pro is a true world-first all-in-one console solution for podcasters of all levels, featuring four microphone channels, Bluetooth, USB, and TRRS inputs, eight color-coded sound effect pads, four high-power headphone outputs, and more. The Roadcaster Pro is professional podcasting made easy. Available in stores this December. Visit www.road.com for more information. Once again, that's www.rode.com.